Welcome to Haniel's All About Enkelfähig podcast, where Scott and I explore the essence of the philosophy of Enkelfähig and its positive impact on the economy of our businesses and the lives of the people working in them. In today's episode, I talked to the head of Haniel's Enkelfähig Academy, Matt Smith, about its role in leadership and learning within Haniel and how that all applies to Enkelfähig. Matt Smith, um, the Enkelfeig Academy, that's my space with our team. So, yeah, I, I guess I always get nervous of labels for what they bring with them. But um, I agree. Yeah, my responsibility is the development of the people inside of Haniel and the, the portfolio companies. Okay, so the, the Enkelfeig Academy, is that something new uh, um, uh, to, to Haniel itself? I mean, is the did the Academy come along with... Uh, um, like Thomas or so the academy came back around with Thomas so um, previously at Haniel there was an academy um, the academy delivered different training so leadership and various sort of standard sort of uh, leadership programs um, and uh, and other sort of uh, personal development programs so that existed until a few years ago um, when Thomas arrived there was much uh, Uh, time for change and mm -hmm. and some very evaluation and one of those things was um, the academy and what it provided and as a consequence the academy the programs were shut down and stopped um, and then came along covid which mm -hmm. slowed down the process even further um, probably gave us a little bit more thinking time and so about a year ago when I joined having been a consultant and so sort of a in some ways a partner in some of the content coming out of that academy um, it was very much, we need to set up the academy, we need to reinforce how and the change that Haniel and the you know, portfolio companies are going through of implementing how. Um, and so we need to build a new academy to reinforce that Anchorville journey in terms of how we make things happen. So so probably year, 18 months ago was really the start point of saying, okay, it's time to do this. Um, and a year ago, I joined with that agenda of, okay, we need to build the academy back. Um, okay. But we need to start from scratch. So we need to, you know, reinvent this and, and let's do something different. We want to, don't want to continue our our past way. As with so much, it's about about doing things differently. So, so, so this is, this is I mean, it sounds to me like you guys are making a transition from uh, employee education to employee engagement, let's say, uh, uh, something yeah. like that. I mean, so so engagement through education. But, I mean, engagement is what we're here to talk about, employee engagement specifically. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, you mentioned how. Um, that's the Hanyal operating way. Uh, is there a two-sentence elevator pitch that you can tell me uh, about how? Like, how would you describe that? That's How's our differentiator? So it's it's kind of the guardrail. So anybody, you know, if you if you said what's different between Haniel and every other organization out there in terms of, yeah, we give our, our leaders a consistent set of guardrails of, of how we want them to lead and how we want to operate those organizations so that it gives us a framework of how you could jump from one place to the other. There's a consistency mm -hmm. around our operating system across the group. And this is this is probably to make sure that uh, through that consistency, a consistent performance uh, uh, is is measurable. Um, it, it does give us consistent, measurable uh, sort of side of things. So yeah, it, it, you're right. But it also gives us some other dimensions, which it, it enables for a a, a a sweeter transition from people from one place to another. Okay. So if you're a leader in one portfolio company, and you know your career path says, actually, we need to give you an opportunity and that opportunity actually exists in another of the portfolio companies, mm -hmm. um, then because you have that common set of guardrails, this enables you to you know, step into the next organization and see common structures, common things around you. So for instance, we manage talent and performance in the same way, similar way. Mm -hmm. um, we'd have similar structures around lean and you know what we'd measure in terms of health of business and our way of you know measuring performance so so whilst the businesses may be in very different industry sets there would be that set of consistency that follows with you so so you see a lot of um things you know on the moment you land and and i think there's the other dynamic is when you say you're outperforming by doing good that's doing good to for by people as well yes. so it's it's about giving you the opportunity to develop and grow and 
and yeah we we want to give you the the long term so yeah you're right we don't want you to to leave but if if leaving helps you further your career the next step then it's the right the right thing but we want to have tested out that we didn't have the option available for you because we we truly are in it for the long term in your development and your career as well as for the organization as well as for the planet as well as for you know we have multiple stakeholders and, and as an employee you're a stakeholder that we really want to play the long-term game with sure so we want to give you the opportunity yes that's interesting and and um so as far as the academy is concerned um the things you're going to be teaching and the things we're going to talk about in a minute can i can i just assume that all of those would be within the how university highly operating way so you're you're teaching the leaders that are coming in not only how to lead but uh the what what are the are the are there disciplines within there? Can you can you like break it down into we talk about uh, this and we talk about that and what the courses are all about? Yeah, so we've 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 very much so let's be clear that the Ankle Fake Academy is very much about shifting culture. So it, it's it it's its ambition, its wish is to drive the culture to to reinforce the ambition of the the whole organization. And I guess what we've done is taken a model of I often use the analogy of a gardener. So. We we come to springtime and you know people are all out in the gardens and and as a gardener you realise your job is to build an environment in which the plant can grow and 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 by building the right environment you give every chance the every plant the opportunity to fulfil its potential. Well, the same is true for us as an academy as ours is to build an environment in which people can grow. Um, the gardener is the leader, um, but we need to put certain things into a culture and and you know with the assist of the gardener to make that sort of uh, environment conducive so we have some programs which we've called foundational and they're sort of uh, building the environment side of things so we look around trust because that that's kind of key as a start point for any sort of environment to say as an individual if you don't feel safe or or feel comfortable to 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 share your opinion to have a voice and to to you know speak up and give feedback into the system then we're we're already we, we can't start you know, it, it's really a non-starter to not have trust in that environment. So one element of that is trust. Uh, a second element for us is around equality, is is that whole diversity journey for us of, we feel like we we really need that every voice is heard and, and has a uh, an equal part to play in our future. Um, so so that breadth of, of, of our diversity and expanding that breadth of diversity gives us more than one answer to the question which is really important for us in our culture and then the third part the sort of third foundational sort of pillar for us is that we we have this need for using the feedback to coach and develop someone has our back so we feel like if we put three pillars into our culture we'd say okay someone's got our back in terms of a coaching sort of place we have diversity there available in terms of to hear all the voices and fundamentally it feels safe to share your opinion then then we've built the ground level that the the soil is prepared for the environment on top of that what makes us different is our honey or cool behaviors because that that's the thing that differentiates us from everybody else you can you can buy all the kit the the equipment that everybody else uses you can copy all that stuff but the bit that differentiates us from everybody else is those cool behaviors the bit that identifies as us and then on on top of that, we've we then built a sort of a, a a next training level for us, which is if you imagine if I take the plant analogy a little bit further, you you build the soil and then you need a structure or a framework to grow the plant upon or, or within. And so we look at that as how that's our our framework, our, our structure of how you lead the organisation, how you measure the performance and such, and our functional training. So so that kind of builds our our structures in which the people can grow within and and to help to develop them further. And then finally, the top element of our, our sort of journey is the leadership element. So that's where the gardener as such is is there to tend and mm. to, to fulfil the potential that sits within those plants. So you know, I, I I use the, the analogy of the, the gardener is, you know, I'm there to speak to the plants. I'm there to to nurture them, to grow them and, and to get them to fulfil that potential. And that that's what we call engagement. But... But it all comes from a, a leadership arm as such. So so three tiers, a foundational, environmental, a structures piece, which is our, our how and functional training, and then the leadership element that sits on top, which is the 
yeah, the, the secret to success if we can get that piece to, to really move us and, and shape our culture and the way forward. Is it a part of the, the idea that people go through the foundational part of the training and then to the next and then to the next so that it's kind of a progressive thing? Or is it really depending on uh, um, what your actual position is in the company as to where you go or what, what determines or am I free uh, to, to figure out which part of it is I want to be part of? Yeah, so some bits are um, free, so anybody can take those and anybody can go there. Um, I guess I, I would look at selection based on the issues at hand. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd let the demand of such of, you know, we feel like perhaps trust levels aren't as good as they could be or more often it's not so much that we don't have sufficient levels of trust. It's more that actually we recognize it's not an advantage for us. In a high-performing team, the level of trust is a distinct differentiator it it means that people can have honest and open conversations if it's not there then maybe that's the first start point um you know so so i want to go yeah you you choose where's the most appropriate place for you and your team Mm -hmm. to gain the most benefit at this stage and some of the programs are open programs and some are nominated programs so our leadership programs yeah we have to get a nomination to to join some of those leadership programs because yeah it's it's really is meant for a specific audience and we want to identify you know that we know there'll always be huge demand for those things but we want to put the demand where i guess we get the best return for sure. our effort yeah and, and that's a harsh sort of reality of <laughs> yeah, well, it's, we have to work the, the, we're only uh, people with 24 hours in a day uh, and um you know maybe for anybody listening uh, you, we had the conversation in the car that we're actually talking about 20,000 employees throughout the uh, the um, portfolio companies. So you really have to kind of pick and choose uh, in the beginning who's coming through it. And um, there there are going to be things born out of this, I think, that are more consumable, maybe even more scalable as far as like the uh, injecting the how into the rest of the organization. But starting with leaders, it's probably a good way if it's leadership that you want to become better. Um, one of the, the, the questions that I have, and this is... I don't know, maybe, maybe inappropriate, or maybe I don't know. But uh, how, how, how on earth do you determine that trust is an issue when you're talking to the people who are not trusted? You know, so if it's if it's leaders that need to inject more trust and be more trustworthy, because that's what we're talking about. We're not. Yeah. Do you teach them trustworthiness or what? What it even means to be trustworthy? Because I think sometimes they don't even realize that it's it's trust that they're misusing on, on the side. I, it's like we talked about it before. A lot of non-emotional leaders, a lot of uh, uh, um, numbers-driven leaders, uh, a task-driven leaders, like you call them, um, they don't even realize that it's that it's a a, a, a misuse of trust or even a, an abuse of trust that they've just done. So I mean, do you go through and actually? Like with a child, explain this is bad, this is good. I mean, go through scenarios, or how how does that work? I mean, I mean, to some degree, yes. We we're giving them examples and stuff. We we have various tools at our disposal, so we can use three sixties to measure the the amount of trust in a team. Mm-hmm. Um, we can measure the individual in terms of how much you you know your credibility how credible you are in the eyes of others and you know in terms of how strong you are exhibiting behaviors that grow trust so so we we've got the let's say the tools to do that piece um i guess it starts from the premise that that, you know when when you have trust speed goes up and costs go down which is a a simple calculation which kind of goes when you trust people it's easier and slicker to get things done and when you don't have trust, then you know speed goes down and, and costs go up. It becomes more painful to get things done. So for us, is is yeah, you know, this stage is that initial stage for a leader is to recognise that I'm not maximising the opportunity. I feel like we're hindered because trust levels aren't where we could be. Mm. It just feels like hard work to get things done. Or actually, I believe that if we increased our trust levels, we could move things forward. So, so I I tend to say look. You know, from a leader's point of view, I, I think we can come at it from either angle, but but what we do, the behaviours and what we work on and what we focus on, yeah, is is how do we accelerate that trusting? How do we really make it to become a dividend for us, a an advantage to have as okay. such? But but you're right, it, it's you know sometimes it's the leader that tells us we need support, sometimes it's the team members that tell us we need support, and 
you know, it just makes our communication method of trying to get in there a little bit more delicate. Mm-hmm. Such, um, you know, sometimes it's the leader of the leaders that uh, tells us there's the opportunity in there. So, yeah, we we just need to be a little bit more sensitive when you deal with something like trust. But well, let's talk about trust for just just a little bit because yeah. you said it. I think it without trust, there's really no point in talking mm. about anything else. Like the rest of it doesn't matter if you're a lead. Uh, a team lead or if you're a, a department head or if you're the CEO of a company, if you don't have the trust of your employees or the people in your team, you're 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 lost at sea. You know, you're you're yeah. you're close to mutiny. <laughs> so trust m- goes to uh, uh, to all kinds of negative emotional places if people uh, don't have it. So um I have an example. Yeah? A trust example. Is okay. this an example of trust? I want to make sure I'm understanding trust. Yeah. yeah? Um I'm an employee somewhere in a company, uh, and my boss comes in on a Monday, um, not too happy. I know I can't ask him for a specific thing because he's not in the mood to say yes. Um, the next day he comes in, he liked the breakfast he got at home, listened to something that made him laugh on the way to work or something. I see in his eyes he's in a good mood. I know now's the right time to talk, but I don't have a way to him. Um, and And is this... This 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 back and forth, having to read the eyes and the emotions of people, but to get what I need to get done at a company, not being able to trust the mood or the decision I'm going to get from the person in front of me, is that a part of trust? Is that something that you would take as an example? Yeah, and and, and yeah, it, yes, it, it, trust is definitely part of that, and you know, it, it's about consistency of behaviors. Okay, so so consistency, that's the best. Like yeah. behavioral consistency is something that leads to mistrust. Is that a, is that something that I can... It's it's the inconsistency, inconsistency yeah. that, that drives that. Yeah, it certainly affects trust. So, so yes, it can be around behaviors that mm-hmm. can affect trust levels, but it's also can be, even if you're exhibiting the right behaviors, let's yeah. say, it's the inconsistency that, of course, drives the... The uncertainty on your intent. So the day today you're exhibiting that, tomorrow you're not exhibiting that. And that's what throws people off is people aren't sure of your motives or your agenda at that stage. Mm-hmm. So is it you're just doing it because someone told you to and you remembered today? Or is it actually hardwired into you and actually it's your normal way of operating? So, yeah. so yeah, inconsistency is always a challenge. And, yeah, the byproduct of that is trust gets damaged because okay. of inconsistency. So inconsistency, that's that's actually uh, interesting because I didn't look at it from that perspective, but inconsistency is all around, uh, uh, whether it's an emotional inconsistency that I have or it's just a decision-making in- inconsistency. One day that's okay and the next day it's not and I don't have a reason for it. Um, okay, that's interesting. So um, is that something you guys would talk about in, in the academy is like yeah. uh, keep things consistent and you can, you can uh, grow your trust? Definitely in terms of, you know, and, and if I looked at trust specifically, yeah, there's some some specific behaviors that are going to grow trust and it's your consistency in exhibiting those behaviors because it's, it's rarely that leaders don't understand those behaviors. It's just that they don't consistently exhibit them. So if I said um, being open and honest, transparent, you know, talking straight to people, however we term that, but, mm-hmm. but having that doing that consistently every day whenever you interact with me i'm open and honest with you is going to grow trust you know where you stand mm. it's the i do it one day and then the next day i don't fancy it or actually i don't i'm not open and honest with you that that's the part that breeds the uncertainty and that that then hinders the trust growing okay because i don't know is today like you say the day that you want to be open and honest and you want the feedback or is today the day when yeah i'll i'll choose tomorrow um, cause it just doesn't feel like the right time. So yeah, it, you know, let's be clear. It, it's a challenge for every leader, but, but it's the consistency that yeah releases us and gives us the freedom. I, I often say to people, it's the discipline that sets you free. If you can consistently do that thing, then yeah, life becomes easier for everybody. Yeah. But of course we're all human beings. That, that seems to be a consistent lesson I learned all, all the time is if you, uh, if you process things out to a certain extent, it leaves you free to do other things. But, uh, um, you know, one of the things that I, I say to my team, and I mean this like seriously, I mean this to my children and I mean this to my, to my team that's working with me. I mean this to my friends is, um, I'll do everything I can not to be damaging, but if I do make a mistake in what I'm doing, I'll try not to make that mistake again with you or with anybody else. Yeah. So, and I think anybody in any relationship understands uh, if 
if I'm in whatever way, I mean, we're not talking about like serious damage, but if 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 I leave somebody with a with a sour taste in their mouth because of something I said or did, and it was inconsistent with any other thing, um, they should be able to tell me that, and I should have an honest thing about I I don't want to do that again. I didn't recognize that, and I promise I won't. So uh, I think it's it really is uh, um, your integrity. Yeah. So but, that's but actually you've, pretty. You've set one important thing there that I think is really important. You've set out your intent. So you've you've set out very clearly, this is how I operate yeah. and this is what I expect and this is you have to, you know, if I do this, then let me know. And I, by setting out your intent in that way, you build the foundation of trust. Mm-hmm. Now, be sure you've built a bar that other people are going to measure you by now because you've set that sure. expectation. So you have to live up to that expectation. But it's it's the beginning point of trust is, is you know, is, okay, I believe I can trust you. Now you've made clear your motives, your agenda. Now, okay, let's see by your actions if you live that, and that's how trust is built and formed, and and why people will tell you trust takes time to form because it is that validation of okay, yeah, I they have made clear their motives and they've lived it. It's the say do ratio. Yeah, it's the say do ratio <laughs> like all it. over again. It's, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to spend so much time on trust because with no trust, the rest of the foundation makes no sense. We're talking about employee engagement, um, uh, engagement in total. Uh, there's 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 this employee net promoter score uh, that we should talk about before it's all said and done because we've referred to it in past episodes. Um, but uh, do do we have another place in the journey to go from uh, the the levels in the academy? Um, I think I think engagement is is kind of the connector to so many of these pieces. It joins together because it's it's a it's at the foundation block of of leadership is mm-hmm. engagement. Um, but what do you mean with engagement? Is it is it yeah. how like how uh, switched on I am when I'm doing something, or is it uh, how interested I am in it while I'm doing it, or is it how much I do it? Like what 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 meaning of engagement are we talking about here? I, I guess it's how connected are you to want to go with that organization on its journey. So someone gave me a great story the other day of. Um, the, the kids had been on a scout camp, you know, and, and young kids, and you know how that works. If they come back and they're covered in mud, they've, you know, they're wet, they're, they're kind of cold, they, they haven't eaten well for several days, they didn't like the food, um, they don't really remember sleeping because they were having too much fun. Um, and yet they're absolutely hooked into it. They, they loved every minute of it because even though it was painful, it was hard, it, you know, it, it just was a tough thing they were so engaged with what they were doing and the fun they were having, they kind of lost sight of all the detail and all the process and all those things. And I think that's the journey of engagement is if you can connect your people, you can't overcome or compensate with it, but but your people lose sight of all of those little niggly things because they're so hooked on the journey, they want to come with you. And mm-hmm. and that to me is where a leader begins their journey. We We, we talk about leadership as you know, bringing a group of people together towards a common goal. Um, I, I would say that bringing people together is about engaging people, is connecting together. And and probably more important than ever been in our history is to engage people. The, you know, the the great switch off of so many people disengaging and leaving organisations in the last 18 months. You know, everybody's trying to get their heads around why and what and how. You know, fundamentally, engagement sits there somewhere in that journey that says, yeah, it you need as a leader to engage your people. So, for me, when leaders say, "Yeah, yeah, engagement's not mine," or or by their behaviours they send those signals by saying it's an HR issue or it's a talent issue or whatever, I almost want to go. Well, then, so leadership's not your responsibility. You know, it, it, you're not responsible for leadership because engagement for me is leadership. They, yeah. you, you can't get away from the two are sort of intertwined. So. Yeah, by a leader showing they're not interested in engagement, to me they've really just shown they're not interested in leadership. Yeah. If you take engagement, you you got to go looking at what's the the basic principles that sit underneath that engage people and and you know so many people ask me about this because we get so much into the conversation around EMPS scores and you know and so the the first thing I always want to say to people is our EMPS number 
is an indicator of if what you're doing around engagement is working or not working. Mm-hmm. In of itself, it's not you know it's not the ambition. The ambition is that we want engaged people because that gives us you know the behaviours that come from engaged people, i.e., people you know uh, are more creative. Um, you know, on a on the other side, there's less sickness. People want to come to work. Let's be clear: if if people are engaged, they want to be there and they want to enjoy what they're doing. I always think of it on the negative. Who wants to come to work and you know and hate it and spend eight hours, ten hours, twelve hours here every day? That's that's a horrible thing. So you want to engage with what you do. Um, but I, I, but I think if I look at the principles that underpin it as to how do you do an engagement piece, I think trust plays its part. So I, I think you know until you can feel comfortable and have that voice, then. You know, I, we we might call it psychological safety as such. Until you have that space, I don't I don't think you can engage first off. So mm-hmm. so I think you would be w- willing to open your mouth, and then then I think there are sort of three key sort of buckets for me, or three sort of spaces where leaders can really build engagement. And the the first one is you have to connect to the purpose of what we're doing, you know, which which is is where Haniel comes in so strong in terms of Ankerfell is is such a connector for so many people, but. But I need to be able to understand what I do, whatever the role that is, how does that connect with the bigger purpose of what we're trying to do as an organization? So I have to see my value in the in connecting to that bigger purpose. It can't be that the organization is achieving something. I need to understand my place within that. And as a leader, that's a huge responsibility on our shoulders to help people to recognize that we all have value, we all contribute, and we, we have a connection to that purpose. The second is for me is, People need to see that they're making a difference. So there needs to be some journey of progress. We need to feel like we're part of a winning team. Now, not every team can win. We need to understand the definition of that. It means that today is better than yesterday. We we need to have seen that our efforts made some progress on that journey. Yeah. And, it, and it it can be very, very small, but, but it got better with we're progressing because there's nothing worse than feeling like I came to work today and, you know, and tomorrow and the next day and it, and it'll still be the same. Nothing changes around here. That's where you see engagement, you know, sort of go south because I want to feel the effort that I've contributed. What well, all that, that piece that I've put in has made a difference in terms of moving forward. And then the final one for me is the piece around, I want to feel that I'm valued, that I'm, that I'm a person, not a number. Mm-hmm. So for me is, you know, that someone understands Matt, that Matt knows, you know, that actually people care about Matt. Someone's mm-hmm. got my back. Um, that I'm going to get feedback from them of how to perform and, and we're going to have that dialogue between us so I can, I can trust gives me the safety to share feedback of how to improve the game and engage me further. But equally, yeah, it means that I feel that you've got my back because you share feedback with me of how I can change my game as well. Now, I think they're the core components for leaders in terms of if you could grab those four things of, you know, build psychological safety, the environment of trust. If you could really help people, you know, clarify the purpose, connect to the purpose of what we're trying to do, make them feel like they're in part of a winning team for whatever, you know, that means in the context of what we do, but we're making progress and then feel like I'm valued, I am getting feedback, I think you go a long way to helping people feel like they're connected to the company. And, and yeah, it feels like, actually, I matter here, mm. which is the message, I suppose. We were tired. That's, that's, that's actually a cool summary. Uh, and I'd like to um, get into the, uh, to the how do I feel like a person thing. Uh, um, before the recording, you and I were talking about can you make a, an empathetic person or a non-empathetic person empathetic? Um, and uh, for me, I'm thinking, you know, how do you make your employees feel um, valued as a person or actually understood as a person and that kind of thing? I think you can process that out. I think that's the kind of thing that you can talk to a leader who wouldn't naturally think. And there's a lot of reasons for not engaging with your employees at that level. You know, there's uh, uh, we all grew up in a generation where, you know, the generation before us were partying together and doing all kinds of weird stuff. And it was just like, OK, we need to disengage with our with our uh, other employees because we have families at home and everything's falling apart. So the generation that we grew up in was office is office, 
outside of the office is where you where you have your private life. So we've just been kind of conditioned not to care about the person next to me because as a human, as soon as you know something about someone, you build a connection with that person, you care about that person, and then relationships get built. I mean, it's, it's like what you were talking about, relationship building. But I, I, I feel like a lot of times people say what they want you to know about them and if a leader is is taught to pick up on those signals you know i i don't think we're just a bunch of non-humans who don't care about other people we just don't read the signals or read even you know someone says oh well uh i just bought a puppy you know that's that's probably like a really uh, uh, as a leader if you have to in the beginning you can go okay just bought a puppy and then you know two weeks later well how's the puppy doing that kind of thing um do you think that those things can be can be taught so that it's some point they become uh, a second nature i i think this is a uh, this is this is a really interesting space for us because it's is it a task or is it a relationship mm-hmm. and 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 this is where i think so much of engagement becomes fun because if it, if it's about just turning a number then you're right it's a process and i can do that activity and you're right and it will turn the dial and it will make us better if you tell me, okay, how do I make engagement really, you know, off the park? If I, how do I get it to really excel? Then I need people that can see it as a relationship and and do the right thing because it's intuitive. It's not on my task list to say, yeah. "How's the puppy today?" So, <laughs> so don't get me wrong. How's the puppy today would be better than nothing. Yeah, but but you've did it because that was the required activity rather than. So the way I tend to look at it is, I watch leaders that go oh, I have a new set of numbers on my EMPS, therefore I should have a town hall and I should talk to my members of staff because that's what it says in the manual. Mm -hmm. And I want to go, yeah, okay, I can't fundamentally argue with you, but but actually explain to me your intent. Did you do it just because you got the set of numbers or Mm. did you do it because actually you care about engagement? Because I want you to do it because you care about engagement because fundamentally that's what leadership is all about. And I want you to build a relationship with these people because I want them to enjoy coming to work and I want the performance and I want the outcomes. Not because someone said, if you don't get your EMPS score, that's a really bad thing, so do these activities. Now, maybe that's our stepping stone. Maybe that's the journey is, yeah, maybe I have to teach people in the, the, the task way to start with, but I want our leaders of the future to tune into that part that says, Okay, what was done in the past was done in the past. Our leaders for the future, if we're going to be really Einkefell, if we're on that journey, we need leaders that see that world and see that as the norm going forward. Because our our new generations coming into the workplace, they expect to be engaged. The the days of, you know, being grateful for your job are over. I, I joined, I genuinely started out in banking. And, and, you know, and when I started in banking, it was, Wow, I've got the job. I, you know, I'm. I, thank you. I'm so yeah. grateful you gave yeah. me the job. Whereas now you get a workforce that joins you and goes, okay, so impress me. <laughs> you know, it's kind of you. You need to do more for me than yeah. I'm going to do. So it, it's it's a real equal partnership now. But yeah, it places a responsibility on a leader that you have to engage people. You you don't get you know that extra discretionary effort from just turning up. You you got to work as a leader and you got to engage these people you can't focus on your own job yeah one of one of the things that i actually see um this isn't only actually see this actually here one of the things that i you know when you when you say uh we want people who enjoy coming to work yeah what um the leaders who would say well i'm not all about engagement you know like those leaders what they would actually say is yeah, that doesn't work, you know, all this like foosball and and this and kind of stuff. Like that's what they see when you when you say to someone like we really want our employees to enjoy coming to work. Enjoying coming to work and being engaged. That has nothing to do with the perks itself in the beginning, right? Um so so I the perks are for me a perfect example of processing out uh, um, you know, employee engagement because that's not what they're looking for. And uh, um, did you understand what I'm what I'm trying to say? Because I don't know how you break through this barrier of people who are saying, you know what, it's it's uh, uh, it's 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 trying to make children happy. It's basically the way they act like it. It's you know, uh, employee engagement uh, seems to be one of those things where it's it's almost like um, I don't know. It's the it's it seems to be silly to some people. 
Like the, the, the idea that you would want engaged employees, it's so natural for you to say, yeah, of course. And for me to say, yeah, of course. The, the, the more engaged your employees are, the more ideas they're going to bring into it, the more problem solving they're going to bring to your company, uh, uh, you know, going through the purpose and, and being able to make a difference in a place. Those are things that humans need to be human. Right, and if you can provide that at work, um, they're not going to want to go anywhere. They're actually going to make this place a better place so that they can stay there and continue doing that and have that feeling. Why do some people seem to think that that's the total opposite? That it's not necessary. How did we get there? I think we start at a place where, if I take a step back, if it comes down to does the individual have choice of how much effort they put into their work, and I, I think if if you believe it's it's like a light switch, you either come in and you you do or you don't. I think perhaps you're you're mistaken because because I think this is more of a dimmer switch. Is you know that the level of engagement affects the level of you know the brightness of the individual in terms mm-hmm. of their performance. So you know if 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 I feel like I'm really engaged, I'm enjoying it. I you know I'm going to turn the dial up. I'm going to get brighter. I'm going to get more creative. I'm going to challenge more things. I'm going to contribute more than ever before. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, I think there's some of those leaders that tend to think it's like a light switch. They're, they're here, that for I get 100%. And I want to go, maybe you want to open your eyes. I think there's so much more that people could bring and, and, and enjoy the journey and contribute so much more if they could turn up the dial. I mean, give, if I take something simple like um, daily performance management is a great example of how you can really give people ownership and responsibility and see people blossom and grow. Now, mm-hmm. it's got to be done right, but truly in terms of if you give people ownership and responsibility, most people, you know, if they truly feel like you're, it's a safe environment, you're going to support me in this journey, then we'll see people yeah, unlock potential that we just perhaps never saw that was there. Now, mm-hmm. if we're really smart about that as a leader as to how we use that, we gain the benefit of that while someone's having a ball enjoying themselves doing something. So you're, you're going somewhere. Someone's going to give you an opportunity to set up a business in a space. And, you know, now I've got you. And yeah, you're hooked. Absolutely. And I'm going to go, oh, yeah, but you're only allowed to work till nine to five. <laughs> yeah, forget it. You're, you're, who cares about how long it takes? Who yeah. cares about how much effort I have to put in? I, I'm having a ball doing yeah. the thing I want to do. That's the bit that those leaders are missing of until you've seen it or you've experienced it or – you know, you've seen your team have that experience. When you light the blue touch paper, it's kind of stand well back because these people are going to grow and they're going to be really creative. Yeah. And and that, believe me, that brings its own set of challenges. And I, I see some leaders, you know, sort of hesitant of that because if I let them be as smart as they could be, maybe they're smarter than me. Oh God, that's that, that's a whole nother path we can go down. And, One and, of the things and, I, I read this a long time ago. Uh, and I, I try and live by it. Never hire anybody you wouldn't be willing to work for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's it's bode me well. And I honestly, um, I talked. Uh, yeah, it's that's something we really need to get over ourselves with uh, the people that that we coach and not manage. Uh, the people that we lead, um, they are more than welcome to be better than us. They should be in certain areas, and we should help them to get better than us so that they can go and lead other people as well. Um, and I don't understand that concept of, of not seeing that anyway. So, But isn't that the journey of Uncle Fake in terms of it's, it's leave something better than when you first arrived? Yeah. That's the journey of a leader is I want the next generation to be smarter than me, to have learned from me and, and you know, be way above me in terms of capability because – but. But that's our ambition as an organization is I want to leave something better behind me than I picked up. A leader's job is constantly that of the next generation should be smarter, more capable, more able, more wise to our reality because wisdom is is knowledge correctly applied. We've learned stuff through our experience. We need to disseminate that to our people and get smarter at how we lead them so they can fulfill their potential and then – pass that knowledge and insight that they've picked up of how you engage or how you connect with people to their next generations and so on. And that and that's our journey in terms of as a leader, how I you know, reinforce this Ankerfeld journey. We we tend to think of it as, you know, buying businesses and recruiting that people. I think there's a social level, a, a leadership level of this that says, you know, I need to build the, the, the next 
set of leaders needs to be better than the leaders have been. The next set of employees need to be better than employees have ever been before in terms of engagement, excitement and wanting to come to work. It's, mm. it's just a continual journey for me. Well, yeah, it's it's um, it's the continuous improvement and yeah. on on the uh, uh, the the employee and leadership level, um, and uh, the the way of getting better in each generation is actually the engagement itself in both ways, right? So leaders should be engaged in actually making their people better, uh, uh, the people that are in their teams, uh, and uh, the team members uh, should be engaged with what they're doing so that they become uh, better at what they're doing and 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 eventually become leaders. So. It all makes sense to me, and I don't understand why why there is uh, um, some misunderstanding of it. It just seems so clear, and it, and it takes me back to another point where you know ankle fake and the way that I came to it. This is it was it was all so clear to me when I saw this word for the first time uh, what it meant, and it was very clear to me that we were talking about employee engagement at the time. It was very clear to me that we were talking about sustainability at the time. The word includes all of it in one place. And I really, um, now that we've talked, and I was excited about the uh, um, the academy before. You know that I reached out to you several times. Let me do, let me do, uh, let me do something here, you know, because uh, I'd really like to go in and talk to, uh, uh, let's say, future leaders. I'm not necessarily interested in trying to change old people to do things. You know, that's that you you can teach them that. Yeah, but uh, if if ever we uh, uh, we start talking to uh, young and engageable people about uh, engagement and and how to look at leadership moving forward. This is something I think is probably one of the most important things in a business world is to curate uh, and uh, nurture young leaders into becoming what it is that we would like them to be because old dogs learn tricks very hard um, and uh, the business that we're living in right now also demands the old type of leadership whether it means to or not. I don't know if you understand that, but yep. uh, the the KPI driven uh, uh the the you know month to month performance and all of that stuff, it's it's really demanding uh, uh the type of leadership that's just going to with no regard to the engagement of the team make the things happen, right? So, uh, I really only see like a gradual move over time and my interest is more in the mid 20-year-old people who need to we need to teach them to understand like you if you're not a good leader in 10 years, uh, uh you're no good to anybody. So, help us become what we need to be by by um becoming what you need to be. Um I think you know we I'm I'm taken back to the the first point you made in terms of that you like you say of of kind of knocking on the door of the academy and saying let me in let me in type piece and and what's really interesting is you probably you, you know and you've you've experienced it firsthand you'll meet, see me kind of going yeah 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 in a bit in a bit yeah. um, because it, it's really interesting in terms of like you say in terms of straight away you got your head around Ankerfell I'm still getting my head around it. Okay. And, that, and that's a bit I find fascinating and I, and, I, and I love it because there's just so many dimensions to it. Yeah. There's so many aspects. And, I, and I'm, you know, I, I'm frantically trying to kind of get all the dimensions, all, all the angles from it. And, I, and every time I kind of, you know, I have another conversation, I kind of go, wow, I, I've just found another dimension. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm. Yeah, this means this. And wow, that can affect things. So... Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm really excited about it because I I don't know the end picture. I d- I don't know where it is. It's a journey for me, which is you know as we always say, it's a journey for us of of outperforming by doing good and 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 exactly what that means. It's it's the best kind of change ever because we know the next milestone in the journey. But but let's be honest, because it's growing so fast and it's moving so fast, I, I just think it will keep evolving. I can I can see the next couple of milestones but i i don't see the end point at the moment i just see a, a next part and and that's fascinating for me because that's the exciting part of it is i'm going to keep running for the next you know years mm. as such trying to how do we do this better how do we do it differently and yeah. and i think as we further along our journey we'll see the next you know we, we come to a little raise in the ground and we can see a little bit further ahead of us I think that's our journey of continuing to learn and continue to evolve and and so that that's 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 the continuous learning the lifelong learning journey that I think we're on which is yeah we we found a new course we found something that's engages us that connects us and that you know we 
it's it's the right way to go. I I, I want to say it's you know it feels like the right way. No, it, it's the right way to go, and I think we're all committed to that in terms of it's the way to go. As to all the details of that journey, I, I'm not sure they're all clear yet. But I but I know if I take engagement that that that's going to be an essential part of it. But engaging those people that then. Yeah, we we have so many smart people. I, I'm sure they can help me understand the next stage of the journey, the next mm. stage of the journey. I see my my job as the academy is you know as uh, in our team is to is to facilitate that learning in the smart people. So yeah. so you know if if I can unlock the smart people and you know through supporting their leaders by helping them as leaders generate and germinate some of those ideas, then I can learn the next stage of how we support and generate that. I. I I certainly don't see us as the smart people. I see us as the facilitators of building the environment where the smart people can then Absolutely, really be their yeah. potential. Well, um, that's that's the beauty of actually having a call it uh, the academy, right? So it's uh, yeah. you know the the idea of a you know thousands of years old academy is 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 it's a place of learning, but it's not a place of being taught, right? So yes. uh, uh, you can you can you can learn from all types of people. You can learn from the person like that's that's one of the things that life is an academy. Uh, and I just realized the other night when I was talking to my daughter, the way she does things with the tools she has at hand, um she cuts corners like she's she's learning very openly uh, to get to places quicker than I learned when I was a kid you know so I had to go copy things out of the dictionary or I had to learn how to spell stuff you know it was just uh, it it seemed like the thing to do at the time but if I watch my daughter actually do things I get quicker at what I'm doing and so yeah. I'm turning around and looking at her and learning from her those are the kind of things that can happen at an academy yeah and it could just be that Scott rocks up someday with a book in his hand and just starts talking. And if somebody wants to listen, it's fine. Um, so I don't think you need to know where the end of this is. And actually, to be honest with you, I don't think any of us are um, creative enough or ambitious enough to think where it could go. Yeah, This, yeah. this is going to go very far. And I don't even want to put it into a box because it's in, then it's in one. Uh, but one of the things you said, the dimensions are so deep, um, you know, the, the, the academy part of it, you know, how do we, uh, get this into a place where people can start figuring it out for themselves and we can discuss it through. That's, that's a, a great place to start and I'm looking forward to it. Um, what else do you have? Uh, is I guess, there something uh, well, you'd like to get into? I guess into? taking the academy thing <clears throat> just a little bit a step further, we've we've always sort of said when we set out with the academy that we wanted to teach principles rather than teach process, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So so for me is, I think if you, if you understand the underpinning principle, so if I talk about engagement, you, if you understand the underpinning sort of elements that you're looking for, exactly how you do those pieces is is up to you. That's that's yeah. the bit you, you bring to the reality. But but if I can teach principles, then people can do their own learning. So if I understand why, then I can stretch and I can grow and f- uh, faster than, you know. So to me, learning is about understanding principles so you can apply and you can learn with it and stretch it further than me telling you how to do it. Because if I tell you how to do it, you've in some way become dependent on me and, you know, there there, there is a definitive end point to it. Whereas, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want you to grow and I want you to take us further and, and teach us. So, yeah, I think there's something about the learning environment has to do that and and that's not a library. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, you get me into the academy place. I don't want this place to be a library. I want it to be a noisy place. I yeah. want it to be a place where... You want to be there because that's where all the cool kids are, and yeah. and and you want to sit and drink coffee and you know sit on your laptop and do work because I just want to be around the cool kids. I just mm-hmm. want to be in this space. Um, yeah, that that that's what I want an academy to feel like, um, and I want it to be like you said. I want it to be the center of learning and and not the center of training courses or the center of I want it to be the center of learning. So I want people to come out scratching their heads going wow that that's stimulating and and i, I probably haven't got the answer but i got loads of questions because yeah. I, I just figure that that's you know that's for me is how learning comes around is it's 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 you know i i love the process of like a podcast because it's the it's the questions that come up and you can prepare all you want but it's the answers that come from the spontaneity that's yeah. that stimulates and takes you to the next stage and i i think that's the way learning should take shape we 
like you said, the, the kids of today, they're kind of like, I got it all. It's all on the iPad. It's all, you know, I, I know all the stuff you know. Now stretch me. And, um, and that's when it becomes exciting is now that you can see what they've got to bring to it. And the next generation will, you know, keep innovating and seeing things that we never saw. We just, it just wasn't in our domain to see it. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's exciting piece for us. Um, I, I, I think the other piece for me is around leadership is we're going through a massive change as we always are with leadership. The danger is that you look backwards I watch leaders compare leaders of the past and go, oh, yeah, well, you know, these were great leaders of the past. Yes, they were in their context. Mm -hmm. They had a, a team of people that wanted to work for them that were desperate to do what they wanted to do. Therefore, they could lead in a certain way. If I look at our generation now, yeah, the audience has changed again. This new generation in wants different things again, and they're mixed with an older generation that want different things as well. And therefore, it places a different emphasis on the leader to to adapt their behavior. So I can't do what the leader I watched who who taught me 10 years ago do because it won't work. Mm. And that's that part of evolution and, and reinvention of, you know, it's it's what got you here won't get you to the next stage. We have to live that out time and time again and, and our leaders have to live that out of just because it's worked for the last 10 years, no, actually maybe you're seeing the beginning of it's not working anymore. Yeah. And maybe you got to reinvent, you know, just because, yeah, okay, I've been successful to this point. Well, sorry. You know, the market changed, the audience changed, you know, whatever it is, now you need to reinvent yourself again. And and so that's the part where I see us as the academy is helping people to reinvent and to, to just stimulate those thoughts so they can change again and again to meet the audience that comes because that's what it will need to re-engage people into, you know, to connect to a new workforce into this Um because as much as we talk about the new workforce coming through, yeah, the the older, more experienced workforce have changed their expectations as well. They, yeah, they've seen stuff and said, you know what, I I want a piece of that. So <laughs> they've seen stuff. <laughs> yeah, they want they want to kind of you know actually they get away with I've been working yeah. like crazy and now they get yeah. this. So yeah, we're gonna have to change our game. So I think there's a revolution. Um, Maybe revolution's not the right word, but I think there's some big changes there's a in movement. leadership. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so. a, and there's a want and a need to to change it. We we can't keep we can't deliver Einkefell if we do what we've always done. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's the you know it's the one certainty I can say is doing what we've done will not get us to where we need to be. Yeah. So anybody thinking they've got an easy life for the next ten years and you know we need to calm down on the changes. I mean, just think through the logic. It's never going to work that way. In the next episode, I will be talking to Katharina Peterwert about her new role as Chief People and Strategy Officer at Hanyo, as well as how important Ankle Faith will be moving forward.